This is the Suburban Folk Podcast, Episode 3, our review of our Disney World vacation. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. Hey, this is Greg with the Suburban Folk Podcast, and we have finished our Disney vacation, so we're going to take some time to review what worked in the plan, what didn't work, what surprises came up and any other challenges that we faced. I thought to kick us off, we would talk about what I'll call the people of Disney because it was definitely a significant part. Well, not a significant part, but a noticeable part of the trip. We talked about the t-shirts and definitely is the case that everybody likes to wear all of their either uniquely made t-shirts or like us, I think every day we saw at least what, three, four people that had the same shirts on that we did. So you kind of can give them a thumbs up, but I, I think 95% of the people probably had on some sort of Disney t-shirts. True. I would agree with that. And I didn't even say Angie's back with me again. Again, this is sort of a the uh, aftermath of our episode too. So she's going to help me along and uh, the things that we remembered again, what went well and what did not go well. So my favorite part of the people were you have like people tattooed up from head to toe and then they've got their Mickey Mouse t-shirt on and all walks of life of folks, but all coming together with the Disney stuff. I've never been to Comic-Con, but that's kind of what it felt like to me is that these are people that you wouldn't otherwise know that they're Disney folks, but man, once they get there, they're, they're all in for the vacation. So what, what do you think? Similar? True. Yeah. There were a lot of people. Well, and I know you had commented on um, th- th- another cool thing as far as walks of life were concerned. I mean, there were people from all over. Um, yeah, the there there did seem to be the week we went. Um, I mean, people from a lot of people from Europe, um, just all over the place coming. Um, lots of strollers. Lots of scooters. Oh, let's talk about that. That's right. I didn't even think of that specifically. The scooters. So Angie, I think, was our curse for that because you mentioned uh, day one or day two that you didn't notice the scooters. And then I guess that was a thing that people would talk about that got in the way. And that sort of opened up the floodgates. It seemed like by day four, five, in particular, we were waiting for the bus one day and there were like three scooters lined up and the bus could only take one at a time, I think. think. Yeah, maybe two, but they were together. Yeah. And, and you know, again, kudos to those folks for not letting the accessibility stop them that they still went and had the vacation, but they were everywhere. And I guess it should also be very obvious that the strollers are all over the place as well. We sort of assumed that it was even more so because all of the school age kids would have been back in school at that point. So maybe it was even more obvious people like us that have toddlers, um, pre-K age kids, but man, these, these sort of, stroller parks or stroller designated areas yeah there's basically stroller parking everywhere and you can only park in the stroller parking and the cast members tend to move your strollers and organize them while you're gone so it gets a little hard to find the stroller then like you can't just park your stroller by the ride it has to be in the stroller parking right and you know one thing as far as we're going to go through the the prep items that we talked about before but one that i will say was key that I didn't realize was going to be key was the lights that you put onto the strollers. Cause there were a couple of these end of night shows where if not the whole park, let's call it at least 
the majority of the park are waiting for these shows to happen. So when they end, everybody's rushing out almost like a rock concert of some kind where, where you're being funneled to a particular place. And when it's that dark, having the lights on the stroller was key to being able to actually find where our stroller was at. So kudos on that one. I would definitely endorse that particular tip now knowing how, how massive these, these stroller parking areas are. Um, and as far as then going from the people to the staff, uh, there definitely is a noticeable difference. We were, we actually, before recording this, were at our local theme park and we're talking about, okay, what's the comparison to another theme park staff versus the Disney staff? And definitely a noticeable uh, difference in how courteous they are, knowledge probably, and just sort of being down to business as far as getting people on the rides, if they're the people doing that. I think the food service was relatively Better. quick as well. Yeah. Um, but in particular for the rides, I mean, you get on, they have those like yellow tabs and they say, pull it to make sure that you're in. Whereas other theme parks, it's that they will check you themselves and somewhat slowly. And, and I think every single roller coaster had three coasters going at least at a yeah, time? Yeah, everything was just more efficient. I mean, there's really no comparison to King's Dominion in every way, shape, and form. Disney is a zillion times better than King's Dominion. <laughs> um, I mean, just the efficiency alone of the staff, um, they they actually walk like they have a purpose to get people on and off the rides. Um, and they know they know what they're doing compared to King's Dominion. So, I mean, I guess there's year-round staff versus seasonal staff is probably the biggest issue there. But, right. I mean, it's just it's just a huge difference in yeah. the guest experience, I would say. Well, it's, of course, you know I'm going to throw some shade at some other named entities. So I was going to leave out the, the theme park name. But uh, uh, if, if you want to throw a little shade there, that's fine. <laughs> as far as the specific theme park, which... Again, they're owned by, you know, Cedar Point, who is a national, you know, company. So I assume they're all run in a similar way. But, um, but yeah, especially for the, what do they call them, line queues, I think is the official name when you talk about ride. And they're huge. I mean, that's sort of a Disney thing that when the parks are as, you know, max capacity that they take you through all these different areas. But those lines are mean way less as far as wait time there than compared to other parks just because they seem to keep on moving and keep Yeah, on they actually so. know how to load and unload people efficiently, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was – and then especially, which we'll talk about crowds a little bit more in general, but the amount of people it seemed like there were outside of the rides and then when you got onto the rides – seemed to cycle pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, to sort of yeah, crowd for moving. as crowded as the parks felt – the ride times were not bad when we were there and with some planning and the use of fast passes strategically we really didn't wait for anything at all more than a couple minutes um except maybe some of the characters that didn't have fast passes but i mean other than that um even even the rides that had weights the they just it felt different because they were moving the lines were moving it felt like things were moving progressively so it was just better yeah, yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. Now, something maybe that was working against our favor, which of course we have no control of, is the weather. And we talked before about the hurricane threat, which was absolutely nothing. And not only was it nothing, um, uh, I guess a typical Orlando week, let's say, you're going to get some amount of rain. We had drops. I mean, I think there were two different days that 
it, it might have got a drop of rain. Yeah, like five It really minutes, didn't right? rain at all, though, for yeah. all intents and purposes. Right. No rain. So, again, we talked about, you know, the preparation and having the, the shower curtain and all that stuff for the for the stroller. And uh, actually, I think, I guess it did start to rain when we went into the character dinner at the very end of the I think the it was threatening, too, but it didn't actually rain. Yeah. So we were able to bring it inside in case it did. But uh, that ended up being something that we did not experience. But as far as the heat is concerned, I will say definitely for myself, by about day three, when it was mid-90s for those first three days, I was starting to lose it a little bit as far as, you know, getting from ride to ride, doing what we're doing, keeping the kids, you know, sort of where they needed to be, that that started to get a little strenuous. Now, it it, it got cooler by, I guess, Florida standards by the end of the week, just the, the cloudiness of the days helped. Um, and actually, I think even the parks that we went to were not quite as... Not not quite as much go, go, go as, as the first yeah, few Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like the 96-degree days got to be hot. I mean, they were fine because a lot of the rides are indoors, but overall hotter. The 89, 90-degree days, honestly, those were those were probably fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they so. weren't bad. There was so much mix of indoor, outdoor, and stops for lunch, or breakfast, right. whatever, that it was, it was fine. It didn't really bother me with the heat. I mean, I don't think the time of the year would necessarily deter me again as far as temperature. I think it would just be when, when the crowds are lowest. Yeah, which let's hit that before we sort of go back through all of the preparation items. So crowds we had talked about before. Again, any other year, let's call it this September, early September is prime time because most kids are going back to school. It's before their major holiday stuff, I guess, that goes on. You were checking the crowd levels from sites that track that kind of thing day over day and I don't was it ever over a one for any park no every park we went to on all the days we were there was a crowd level one they were actually predicted to be a lot higher um but because of the Star Wars opening but just like in California the crowds did not materialize and they were all crowd level ones the whole week we were there um and I didn't think you know a week two weeks later you could really blame that on the hurricane anymore um, probably in some reading I was doing, it has more to do with Disney raising their ticket prices too much and, or people just staying away because they were worried about crowds of Star Wars. Right. Um, which we'll get into the, our thoughts about the Star Wars attraction and, and what it was to begin yeah. with. But, but the other thing I know we were talking about of like, if this is a one, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if I want to be there to well, see no, what 10 looks no. like. No, no. I mean... The, the rides were fine, though. We right. didn't have any issue of wait times or anything like that. It was more just like there were a lot of people in strollers everywhere still. Yeah, yeah, that were all over the place. And again, there's something else I know we're going to talk about shortly is the transportation considerations. And I think that's probably where we felt it the most as far as the crowds and getting to where we wanted to be. And, you know, again, as far as the mass transit's concerned, if if that's what a one looks like, the the... You know, the monorail, the, the yeah. buses, all well, that. Well, I mean, that being said, that may not change a lot because statistically they say um, with the Disney properties, even during the low crowd times, the Disney hotels themselves are like 90, 95% booked. It's the outside hotels then that account for the increase in population during mm-hmm. the holiday times. So even at the most crowded times, 
because the Disney properties, the amount of people staying in those will really not increase by a ton. Mm -hmm. You don't see that increase in population on the Disney buses and the monorail and that sort of thing because those are probably the people using it. So it may not be as much of an exponential exponential increase as you think, but I mean, there are off-site people using the Disney transportation getting from park to park too. So it's some, but it may not be quite as much as you think. Yeah, so uh, my first couple days, I... I not being in Disney for over twenty five some odd years, I likened it more like Las Vegas, where you know it's fun to do all the the crowd people watching for a while, but then by the end it starts to become a little bit of a drag as far as you know you're trying to get to where you're going and that kind of thing. But you just want to have a clear path and don't want to deal with sort of the big moving crowds. So um, again, I think even that got a little easier just from the standpoint of figuring out the parks, figuring out where we were, how yeah. much time it took. I know uh, when we had to get to dinner, the one night where we ended up having to go through Epcot, that took way longer than we thought. I think we left maybe an hour before the dinner reservation, and it was, uh, what's the name of that, um, the beach We were trying restaurant? to get to the beach club, and that was probably yeah. an error on my part. Um, so FYI, if you're trying to get – Beach Club is a is a hotel that's outside of Epcot, within walking distance. Um, the the rookie mistake I made was that all these hotels that are within walking distance to Epcot, they're located outside of the World Showcase through the International Gateway, not where buses and monorails drop you off. They drop you off at the entrance to Epcot, outside the main entrance. And there's no path for you to walk around outside of Epcot. So we actually had to go through security, through Epcot, out the World Showcase to the beach club that way, um, which just took longer because we had to get through security and all that for a second time after we had already gone through it the first time to get on the monorail. Yeah, yeah. And I think actually over the next year that, that may improve because I heard that there's not going to be double security. Once you're on the monorail, once all the construction around Epcot's done, then you can get off right into Epcot and not have to go through security a second time. Yeah. Can I say that just reminded me of totally unrelated story, but the best security story was on the monorail for me. And I, I forget if we were going to dinner. I want to say we were, but um, the guy in front of us had his backpack ready to go um and was being searched and really slowed us down but security took out a can of bud ice and i think i don't know whatever else he had but i'm thinking like really where <laughs> like you're not gonna try to drink this on the monorail are, are you gonna like we're like you're smash smuggling bud ice into <laughs> magic kingdom that's awesome well yeah it's not like you're gonna tailgate in the parking lot of magic kingdom so i'm not sure where he was going but it was you know not only was it beer it was the fact also that it was butt ice that made it extra awesome for me so you know that was that was sort of a good chuckle i had at least while we were waiting to, to, to get to the monorail um for a particular day so um the other thing that we didn't really cover in the last podcast uh because it would be very specific for us or wherever somebody's traveling from so we're again small medium-sized airport uh where you know you're basically only getting direct flights to the large hubs. And at this point, Orlando is such a big vacation destination. I feel like most uh, airports of any size, you can get some sort of a, of a flight there. So we ended up going down on JetBlue, which I know for me was the first time that I've ever flown on JetBlue. And then on the way back was Southwest. Both flights were 
not only on time, but I think a little bit early. Um, I, I, neither flight was at capacity, in particular the Southwest flight. It seemed like every other seat was open. Yeah, so. there was plenty of room, plenty of luggage space. They were on time. We got on both flights probably an in a half an hour early. Um, mm-hmm. JetBlue had good snacks. They had monitors to watch movies on on each right. back of the seats. So I think both both hotel or both uh, airlines were. Uh, we're good. Yeah. Better so, than your standards. Yeah, well, and of course, so, so I, I set that up specifically. So the shade that I have no problem throwing is uh, American Airlines, I think, is pretty much the most flights that we get. And so right before boarding the JetBlue flight, I'm walking the kids up and down the terminal just to you know keep them occupied for a while. And there were three, maybe even four other American flights to completely different parts of the country, like Dallas, Miami, and Chicago, I think. Every single one of those flights was at least an hour or more delayed. And I just kind of roll my eyes because that's always my experience with them as well. So I was happy that we were on the other airlines, at least that we were, that at least our, our, our first uh, go at it, they, they were, again, not only on time, but were actually early for us to uh, get off the plane, which was really, really advantageous, I think, for getting down there because it was, let's see, what time did we land? Probably nine o'clock. Was it that late? Yeah, yeah, we landed about 8 o'clock. Okay. We were supposed to land at 8.30, but we landed at 8. Yeah, so by the time we got to the buses, it was probably 8.30, Yeah. Yeah. Um, We didn't get to the Disney Resort we were going to probably till 9.30, and by the time mm -hmm. we got to our hotel, it was closer to actually 9.45 or so. Right, right. Um, So anyway, so so kudos to, to our airlines, and again, obviously for anybody that is planning a vacation, you're you're sort of... I don't want to say stuck with, but it's going to depend on the airport you're coming out of and who's the hub and who has most of them. But but those worked out very, very well for us. Um, going into some of the preparation items, one of the things we talked about was the meal plan. And I know I joked that I was just going to be walking around miserable because we had to eat you know any and everything all the time. Um, I don't think I was too, too miserable, but we definitely were having to eat a lot during during this trip. And... I did not realize uh, that it was it wasn't a use it or lose it for the day. It was use it or lose it for the week. So we definitely racked up quite a few of the snack credits uh, through the end of the week, as well as some of the, the quick service meals. Um, so, and the food was good. I think in in all places, I wouldn't say it's not like world class, but it's not supposed to be. It's a theme park. They're not, you know, they can only get it to, to a certain level. Is that a fair Yeah, assessment? I mean, all the food was good. Um, I mean, there was some food that was, I would say, really good. Some mm-hmm. was good. Um, it was much better than our local theme parks. But, uh, you know, it wasn't like you were going to a great restaurant in New York City. You know, it wasn't at that level. Right. So... Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree, and I don't know if maybe one of those you get sick of anything right after you have it for a certain amount of time, and if it was some of that, like I, the breakfast we had the first morning with Bell's Castle, Bell's, I'm sure it's called something different. Be our guest. Uh, okay, uh, I thought it was really, really good, um, and then I don't know, maybe later, like the the um, Woody's toy bo- toy box or Woody's uh, yeah, the Toy uh, Story Lunch Land box, quick say. service restaurant was good. I mean, it was mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was all, everything was acceptable. I mean, there was no bad food really. Right. But, um, but there, we just had probably too much of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, and one of our children didn't even have a meal plan. So <laughs> yeah. she, I mean, she doesn't eat much, but 
you know, still there were three adults and two kids and we honestly probably could have split two or three meals for most meals and been fine. So we just had a little bit, a little bit too much food for the, the eaters that we were. So I think next time we probably would not not do the meal plan mm-hmm. unless it was like a free meal plan time period or something like that. Right. Yeah, I agree. And the only other uh, critique that I would have is the breakfast options were slim and none. And what added insult to injury to that is like there were stands that had you know, a breakfast sandwich or, or other things like that, but they weren't part of the meal plan. Um, yeah, that was the annoying part. You know, meal plan snack credits, which we got two of a day. Generally, anything that was like $5, $6 was a snack credit. So, you know, you could get a giant Cinnabon bun or an ice cream float for breakfast and that costs six, seven dollars and that's a snack credit. But then they would have a breakfast sandwich somewhere that was five dollars and you couldn't use a snack credit for that. So I think they kind of get you in that way and that you can't use the snack credits for breakfast. So if you really want like a more legitimate breakfast None of your your meal plan really qualifies for that. Yeah, and um, and the breakfast foods I'm using that loosely that we did have were I mean you sugar, get waffles, sugar, and more sugar. Yeah, everything was just sugar, sugar, sugar. Um, there like, weren't a lot of like more savory options in terms of yeah, quick it, things or snacks. It was like that pineapple cheesecake crepe. Yeah. I know was one. Um, I had the cinnamon bun not for breakfast, yeah. but I mean, I guess that would be I one. I mean, I had a Dole Whip on pineapple upside down yeah. cake for breakfast, which was amazing, <laughs> yeah, but, right. you know, maybe not the best choice. Yeah, but when you're sweating, you know. In yeah, it was good. Heat, it, it, it I did not mind it you. for breakfast. Well, that yeah, from that standpoint, but it doesn't necessarily stick with you, let's say, through the rest of the yeah. day. So I, that would be one thing I'd change. And like you said, I, obviously, of course, as our kids get older um, and just from even a cost standpoint in general, Unless they had a deal, like you said, it would probably make more sense to make use of even the, I mean, the kitchen that we had was more than adequate. Yeah, we had a regular kitchen. So I think if we were going to do it in the future, we'd stay at a similar place and then eat breakfast in the room. And any other time I think we would go in the future, the parks would probably open at normal time. I think this two-month span is probably unique in history in that the parks were opening at 6 or 7 a.m. every day due to Star Wars opening, and I doubt, um, given the low attendance, that they'll ever do that again. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, any other time we go, the parks are going to be opening at the normal 8, 9 o'clock, where we would have more time in the room to have a regular breakfast. Right. And then, you know, I'd consider packing a bunch of snacks and then, you know, maybe getting something to kind of share in the parks or a snack there, and then having a more hearty dinner that we're actually hungry for by the mm-hmm. time we get there. Right. Yeah, yeah, the emphasis on that. It feels like you're just eating all... I mean, it's, it's like it's a cruise. it's so hot out. Mm-hmm. You don't even really want to eat by the time you get to the meal. Yeah, yeah. And I actually... Well, I'm sure I noticed it the most on the last day because we were in Epcot and we had to spend all those other snack credits that we had left over. And I, I was happy with the food that we had at... What are the... Ocker Shoes? Is that, is that how we say it? Yeah, uh, Ocker Shoes, I think, is the Norway... So I, I was very interested in trying a lot of the food, but we had eaten so much during the Food and Wine Festival at that point that it was not painful to get through more of it, but it, but it was not as enjoyable as I think yeah, it, it really wasn't would enjoyable. <laughs> I did not love the food there. I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't my favorite. But I think I was also so full that I just yeah. wasn't really interested in eating anything by the time we got to that time period. Right, right. So uh, the next item is the fast passes, which 
we used almost, I'll call it almost exclusively for any rides. I mean, there's maybe a handful of things where they don't have them, of course. Yeah, but, but um, we also were there. The first things we did in the mornings mm-hmm. before we actually got to where we were using our fast right. passes. Most rides didn't need fast passes. I mean, half the rides there that weren't their super popular headliners didn't even need fast passes because they were walk-ons the whole time. Right. Like you'd basically walk on like rides like the Teacups or Small World, mm-hmm. um, the Barnstormer, the Little Mermaid ride. Like all of those rides were walk-ons the whole time. You know, we were there as long with all the shows. You didn't need fast passes for any of those. Um, I mean, even even bigger rides like Thunder Mountain, we didn't use a fast pass for the first day, and the wait was maybe ten or fifteen mm-hmm. minutes. Right. So, I mean, I know in probably higher crowd times, the fast passes are more crucial, and we definitely were glad to have them for the busier rides. But most things we we did, we didn't really even need a fast pass for. Right. Um. Well, but the ones the walk out, like you said, Small World, I definitely remember that, and and some of the other sort of. Classic rides didn't seem to be that much of the draw, but early on, you're talking specifically the, those extra magic hours. I know for those, we you couldn't get them then, and it wasn't that no, bad when no. nobody was in. Or do you mean even after everybody was let in? Yeah, even for the first hour or two, the parks were open. I mean, the wait times were not long. I mean, and that being said, the whole time we were there during the days, the wait times never got that long for even a lot of the more popular rides. Yeah, well... I mean, I guess that's relative, relative. compared to Disney, Disney I mean, right? like, we're, we're talking some of the rides where a 40-minute wait is, you know, crazy low, and that right. sounds insane to say that, but if you're talking about things like Slinky Dog Dash or the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, where the waits can be two hours in busy time periods, mm-hmm. the whole time we were there, they might have been 30, 40 minutes, which I would not have waited for for those rides. Right. And we had fast passes, so we didn't have to, but people were just talking about how low the weights were for those two. So, But at least just for the, the benefit of a fast pass anyway, we can say that the ones that were 40 to 50 minutes where we were using the fast passes, I'm thinking of the mine train in particular. Yeah, they saved us a lot of time. Let's, let's say it shaved off at least 20 minutes per, per ride is probably a fair estimate for the, for the long ones. At least. I mean... Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, we might have waited in line five minutes for that. The Mm -hmm. same with Slinky Dog. And certain fast pass lines get you more ahead than others. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and especially Slinky Dog, you basically get right on with that one with the fast pass. But Seven or uh, Thunder Mountain, with that one, along with Splash Mountain, there was still maybe like a five or 10 minute wait after you got to the merge point with those. Mm hmm. It wasn't quite as right. walk on, right? But right. still, you never, we never waited, yeah. waited for much at all. Yeah. And after the time period we were there, after I got my first three fast passes, I was then able to get things for for later in the day, like if we were switching parks or right, and kind of use some of the techniques I learned to try to move up your fast pass times once you grabbed a new fast pass. And I was able to grab last minute fast passes um, for all sorts of things. Um, from Everest and the safari ride at Animal Kingdom. There was a lot of availability for those. Um, we did Soarin' again a couple times at mm-hmm. Epcot because Fast Passes were available. Um, at Epcot, we pretty much could have got last-minute Fast Passes for everything but the um, Frozen ride. Um, at Magic Kingdom, last-minute Fast Passes, I saw them all for pretty much everything with Seven Dwarves Mine Train, so... 
I know we got on Peter Pan again one day because I was able to get more fast passes for it. So it was it was fairly easy to use their system. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of other people visiting didn't quite realize how the system worked and didn't use it to its full capability. Well, that's, I guess, kind of what I'm getting at is, so the official recommendation, even though the crowds for us were low, is fast pass. Know it, learn it, love it, use it. Yeah, I mean, you have to have a plan and have to get the fast passes for the more popular rides and then know how to use their system to get more. Um, you can be most efficient that way. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, um, that's It just shocked me, the people I saw wandering around, like, having literally no clue, and they would walk up to the fast pass entrance of the rides and really not even know what a fast pass was. I'm yeah. like, how? How are you coming to Disney World and you don't know this? Well, although, you know what that reminded me of, though, I saw somebody with, you know, like the I'm done adulting type of shirt. And what struck me with that is I'm thinking, well, yeah, I get it because vacation, not adulting. But the amount of preparation and planning and your know, st- strategy, it's like, that doesn't seem like a childlike thing in general. So it's like, mm, you're going to have to do a little bit of adulting just to get around here and, you know, make the most of your trip. So. Yeah. Maybe it's... But then I was on the other hand like, hey, you know what? If they don't know what they're doing, more fast passes for us available. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Go. Right. Exactly. Hopefully that's why people are listening to us and using some tips, right? Um, so dinner reservations is something we hit before. I don't think, you know, other than make sure you're on time. Interestingly enough, the first night we went by a family whose little boy fell and we, we sort of saw off the side of our out of our eye that um, he was noticeably bleeding pretty well. So Angie being a physician, I kind of you know said, hey, should you go check that out? So she did, and, and her mom is actually a um, retired nurse. So I actually, we, we were running, uh, not behind, but we were right at our reservation. So I actually had to go into that restaurant and say, hey, can we, you know, we're here, put us on the list. But oh, by the way, we're trying to be good citizens, good Disney citizens and and, and Angie's back uh, t- tending to a kid that's out there. So that, I know that was one that sort of slowed us down a little bit. And plus we had a show about an hour yeah. afterwards that we had to kind of rush the waitress along a little bit. Um, yeah, and out of all the restaurants, I mean, everything was actually pretty quick. But that one night, it right. was just super slow with the service and mm-hmm. getting seated and everything. Yeah, uh, and then, of course, we mentioned the, the beach club. Just That was the first time we used the monorail if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. and and then like you said we just didn't realize that there was no direct route and so we ended up having to just sprint through Epcot to get to the to the beach club on the other side so uh, I don't know we were maybe a couple minutes just a couple it was only a couple minutes but Uh, it was fine uh, yeah so I I guess the only lesson learned at all was nobody hassled us in any way no I'm sure people are late all the time sure so probably more than we were right so Um, you know I didn't have any you know, real thoughts as far as, you know, when to do dinner reservations or anything like that. I know you were really on top of when to get the reservations in. But it also, I will say, though, didn't strike me in hindsight that – do they do walk-ins, any of these places? Um. Well, I think that's one of the downsides people will say about Disney World is that you have to have your reservations and everything planned six months out. So it's pretty hard to just be spontaneous there and go mm-hmm. somewhere. You can't, you know, you can't just walk into restaurants unless it's quick service. Yeah. Like you can't just say like, oh, I'm going to eat at Ohana tonight and go. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like that first restaurant, for example, why am I forgetting the name of it? What was it called? Mama Melrose. Okay. 
it seemed because I know our comment was seemed like there were some tables open when we got in yeah, there. Yeah, we and then they all got filled, but we got there early yeah, at like five. That, yeah, and of course I only noticed it that night because we had a show to go to. So yeah, you're sort of looking around like, hey, what is, is she our really busy? Doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other than that, uh, the California Grill, I just I don't remember. I wasn't really paying attention to how it was full, full it was. Yeah, everything else was pretty full. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think when we were getting there, like with our seatings, everyone was kind of getting there at the same time. So it seemed empty for the right. first couple minutes and then everything kind of filled up. Right, right. So so find your reservations. Make sure you get on it as quickly as you can so you get the places that you want, I think would be the main takeaway there. Um, the the app itself, and I, I, I just have my note of the ride app. I know it has a different name that you could... Tell, tell the folks what the official name of it is, but uh, um, I think they just call it My Disney Experience it, or the MDE app. But okay. uh, it was it was fine, and that's connected to the. We didn't have any like major snafus of it. I know people complain about um, downtime with it and things not working, but I think we were there at pretty much a slower time, so I didn't have any major issues. And one other item that was a significant part of our trip was. The rider swap, I think we covered that in the prep episode that we have four-year-old who could get on quite a few of the rides, two-year-old who she was able to get on all of the ones that did not have a height requirement, let's say, um, and then three adults. So two adults could go and then one would stay with, with the younger one and then the other person would go. And so it was great for the older one who got the extra ride in. Um, our youngest d- didn't have major, major issues. I know one of my critiques of that strategy was that, of course, we were limited to the immediate area of wherever that ride was. So some of the areas had more things for her to do while we were on the ride. Some areas, maybe not so much. And I guess for the rider swaps, you do have a longer period of time. So if you didn't want to do it back to back, you did have some flexibility to not go back. But for us, for what made the most sense, of course, is to do that back-to-back riding. Now, with the fast passes, it made it as easy as possible. But more your thoughts as far as the rider swap? Would you do it the same way? Would, would we do that any differently? I know, of course, we have talked about what that would look like once they're older and both can get on more rides. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd have to do it the same way we did this past trip if we were going to do it again. Um, I mean, there's just really no other way to do it unless one of the adults just doesn't want to ride something. Yeah, I think that would be probably the alternative. I think that... Uh, we'll get into more specifics later as far as depending on the ride, but there are certain shows or or things like that. For example, each, not each park, at least three of the parks that I can think of had a 3D show with, you know, certain things going on, like you do the 3D class. And they were all very, very similar. Like Animal Kingdom had the Bugs Life one and Magic Kingdom had the, the, Mickey one. Philharmonic, yeah, thing going on. And then there was the Muppet one, I think, at Hollywood Studios. So I will say some of them sort of ran together for me, so I wouldn't have necessarily minded missing, uh, you know. No, I mean, I think the first trip we did kind of everything. And then the next trip we can know what we like and skip a lot of the shows and stuff that we've done before, but maybe hit on the rides. And then if all of us can ride the rides, we'll spend less time doing rider swap. And I think just the strategy of getting through the parks next time and, you know, whenever that happens to be, whenever Emily's tall enough to ride everything, I think uh, it'll be much more efficient. Yeah, but at least as far as the rider swap process itself, I don't think we had any issues at any point as far as them 
registering the magic band of the person. No, that was no, it all well. worked. They all knew what right. they were doing. And right. I mean, that's another thing. Like there were so many cast members at each ride and everybody had a process. They knew what they were doing. The cast members were not the issue. I mean, it was more the other people in the park that were the issue, not knowing what they were doing <laughs> and trying to, I mean, really like they would hold up the line because they would try to argue about having fast passes when they didn't have a fast pass or they right. had no clue what a fast pass was. So they'd be trying to go through the fast pass line and just, it was mostly the public, the general public that was the problem, not Disney. Right. Um, although I don't feel like we had that a ton. I mean, we did have it. I mean, but it was some it was like, but if there were any holdups, it was just because was, of that. Those guys. So, so we hit all of the big preparation items, just a, a nod to maybe some of the other things that, I know you packed along. For example, I joked that we had, uh, you know, like Tums and other stuff to be prepared for all of the amount of food that we were going to have. And uh, I didn't use any of that stuff until the end of the trip, which I wish I had been using beforehand. Again, just going back to the amount of food and what we had. Uh, Something else, actually, that just struck me for the meal plans was the drinks. Of course, I joked and said, you know, I'd, I'd get as many of those as I possibly could. Going back to the weather, I... You're, you're so tired and hot, quite frankly, you know, trying to get from place to place and so on. It's almost like if you have more than a drink, especially at lunch, I mean, you're just going to be down and out. So it was not necessarily a, a lounge type of vacation where you're even looking to have, you know, more than again, a drink with your, with your meal. So, um, even though it seems like a, a good thing to have, um, uh, I, I think it was, nothing that was necessarily a highlight let's say of, no. of having the the drinks with the overall package i think we could have done with just water and been fine uh, yeah well actually at that point i know i did not drink nearly enough water for the first couple of days it could even you know feel dehydrated for a little bit so yeah that that's uh i know it was a very obvious one but make sure you drink a whole heck of a lot of water while you're out there because it is hot you will feel it um and and again with eating all the other stuff and just what you're doing um it, it could definitely get to you. So uh, again, some of the other notes that we had had before the autograph books, I know is something that we talked about. We ended up getting those pretty much filled up uh, as far as what the characters were concerned. Uh, we've talked about the character meals, which is where I'd say the bulk of those got filled out and the kids were able to meet the various characters. So seemingly, I, I know they can be kind of pricey, but made sense to, to be able to frankly avoid some of the lines for the other characters um, to be able to do that. And I think the kids got a kick out of that. Um, any other sort of the preparation items that we didn't cover that stuck out that, you know, was a thank goodness we did this thing. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing I can think of offhand. I think the kids liked the pennies. Mm -hmm. They like to, uh, do like the penny press machines and we got a bunch of those that we brought home with us as little souvenirs. Yeah. And that was also ended up being good going back to the rider swap that, that gave our youngest something to do while uh, she was waiting for right. everybody else to get off the ride. So it, it sort of was a dual, uh, dual purpose for, for that. So, um, so that was really the preparation and uh, Angie and I have talked and we're going to extend the, the Disney world experience into multiple mini casts, we'll call it in the future. So we're not going to go through every single detail of the itinerary like we did as far as the prep is concerned, but you know, going into, and some of the highlights uh, of the trip, um, what met our expectations, maybe what wasn't what we thought it was going to be, 
Um, maybe let's start with Galaxy's Edge. Uh, you already mentioned the crowds indeed were not what they originally were anticipated to be. And I'll start with the the Millennium Falcon ride. We got on pretty quickly. I ended up doing that one twice. Uh, kind of going back to what I'm saying of each park, it seems like, has a similar type of ride. So this one felt similar to, well, like the, the Star Tours ride, a little bit like the Mission Space ride and Epcot. Um, and even the other ride that I was looking forward to, the Flights of Passage, which was reviewing one of my favorite rides it, it kind of was in that same vein so i didn't know that there was anything all that special yeah, about it. i mean it was just the motion simulator ride right i didn't think it was that amazing right and it was kind of distracting having to like press all the buttons and everything and i would have <laughs> rather just like done a ride and not have had to deal with that uh, yeah which again a quick story for that that uh i think the first time i wrote it with your mom she said oh the buttons are just for show and then um, we ended up getting a good score because the people that were driving did a good job, even though we weren't pressing the buttons we were supposed to. And then we went again, and I was driving with our son, and um, we realized that definitely it did matter what buttons you pressed because we ended up wrecking the whole ship. And uh, got, I don't know. I don't think he gave a, a, a point score, but we got about the lowest score that there possibly could be. So one FYI for anybody that goes and rides that, the controls actually do give you a ranking at the end of it and and does actually move the whole simulator itself like we were banging back and forth because apparently we were hitting asteroids <laughs> and things like that but other than that there wasn't much else there other than just food the the build a droid and build the lightsaber which we had already not planned to do so there really wasn't much else there Mm-mm. for us to do so uh, i wouldn't i mean it's fine to walk through but i don't think there was anything there that you know as a star wars fan that that i was super blown away by or anything like that if anything else i think we talked about that star tours and um the jedi training um were were probably more memorable as far as in the the star wars world than than anything around the the new galaxy's edge but what stuck out to you as far as whether it be rides characters you know we've hit a lot on the meals but that were highlights or or even the things that weren't what you expected um, I mean, I guess as far as Hollywood Studios, I think we, we in general like Toy Story Land the best. Um, all the rides in there were good and they had a lot of the characters the kids liked. Um, the food was good. So kind of everything about that land was what we liked. Um, I mean, Magic Kingdom, I think the kids liked a lot of the characters there. We did a lot of meet and greets. Nick got to ride Space Mountain, which he really liked. Um, And then Epcot. I mean, maybe both kids weren't super thrilled with that that park. But the second time, the second day we went, we realized there were a lot more characters there over in World Showcase than we had realized. So they were able to meet Mary Poppins and Winnie the Pooh and Anna and Elsa and so they really enjoyed that the second day. Um, and then Animal Kingdom 2, that one, um, I think the Lion King show was really good and the safari ride was good. And I really enjoyed our meal there at Tusker House. So we'll kind of get into the details of the rides and food specifics later. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I would say that, well, kind of referencing back to what I was looking forward to, like I mentioned, Flights of Passage, the Avatar 
ride it was was really cool that was definitely the standout as far as the rides were concerned altogether interestingly enough it was the same height requirement as space mountain and everest the roller coaster but uh uh, you know, our oldest was not able to get on that one for whatever reason. So it seems like maybe it was uh, bumped up by maybe yeah. half an inch or something I mean, like that. I think that. Their, their measuring sticks just aren't all completely yeah. standard. <laughs> weren't weren't so, quite the same. So, but but, but it, kudos to him. He actually took it really, really well that yeah. he wasn't able to get on that ride. And it was actually fine because he was looking forward to Space Mountain and Everest but hadn't really heard about Flight of Passage, mm-hmm. so he didn't really care too much. Right, right. Um, and as far as the dinners were concerned, um, Ohana, I thought was, was pretty good. Um, and the California grill, I think was also pretty good. Tusker house. Yeah. was, was good. So actually I don't think I had any complaints about any of the dinners. Again, maybe the first one, like we have mentioned just cause we were rushed. The slow. Yeah. And, yeah. The, the food was fine. The food right. was good, but yeah, I felt kind of rushed eating it because it took forever for it to even get there. Yeah. And, and I think. We both agreed, of course, one of the things we were looking forward to is just watching the kids' interaction with the characters, which didn't disappoint, um, especially even at the very beginning with Mickey and Minnie was one of the first things that we were able to do. My only critique is that every single character has some sort of like waiting space. It's almost like a ride. like They've, they've got a line, and they're only out there for a certain amount of time. You don't really see... The only time you see characters walking around the parks is when they're on their way, it seems like, to wherever their designated area happens to be. So, you know, going back again, the 30 years when I was little and, and experienced Disney and there were characters that were out and about, that doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. So I don't know why that has changed necessarily. But I mean, I think, I think nice. they probably just had to. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I mean, people would have no way of... I mean, people wanted to have the characters' autographs, and if they're just in the middle of the park, how are they not going to get mobbed by 100 people <laughs> at once, you know? Uh, well, maybe. I'm sure uh, there have been people that have studied it more than myself. That that would be interesting to see, I guess, a huge mob of... Do you think that's a mob of kids or a mob of uh, Disney people that don't have kids? <laughs> Probably parents of kids. Yeah, let's, let's hope, at least, anyway. Um, so that is pretty much it as far as the trip is concerned. So what do you think? Would you go back? Yes. And why is that? Um, I, I mean, I just thought the trip as a whole was great. I liked the rides, the food. I mean, I think if we went back, it'd be nice to spend a little more time at the resort mm-hmm. and at the pool and just exploring that. So maybe a little more downtime next right. time. Right. And also I would like um, our youngest daughter to be – I think I would say when she hits 40 inches would be a good time to go back because that, that'll that get her on most of the rides. There's really only a handful of rides that are over, over 40 inches where the height requirement is higher. So I think that would get her on enough where she was minimally having to sit out for anything at all. Right, right. So I'm thinking probably, you know, two years down the road would be a good time to go back. Yeah, I'm I'm voting for more like three years. I think. Meh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see what other travel plans are on the uh, I'll probably horizon. Win. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, and I would agree. Similar. It was an overall good experience. Um, I think that our itinerary might just for as much stuff as we did maybe would be 
even more well suited for kids just a few years older than ours as far as being able just to keep up and doing what we need to do. And again, that, that rider swap, not having to do that once, um, you know, we're all able to get on at the same time. We did, you know, two days, relatively speaking, for each park, close at least anyway. I, I would think we could bang out almost every single park in a day once yeah. the kids are a little bit older. And again, you don't have to I mean, or, I mean, I think I would probably still do seven or eight days but you'd really be able to be done earlier and have more time. Mm-hmm. Although we, we started early, so I guess if you're not starting until 9 o'clock, right. you may not be able to do all that much. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I think going back, we could cut a lot of like the shows and just the stuff that we know we're not really interested in seeing again out. And that would save a lot of time. Yeah. And Oh, and I almost forgot uh, the biggest... Uh, recommendation that we would have is you know i mentioned the monorail and you know and also back to the preparation that the the driver that you had uh booked oh for yeah us. yeah by far probably the best money we spent was using a private transportation service a couple times um i mean that saved so much time we could literally walk out of our hotel and then be at the park um, in 15 minutes when we went to Animal Kingdom right. and Hollywood Studios. Um, so otherwise, we spent a good you know, 45 minutes trying to get somewhere with the mm-hmm. bus situation. So that, that was nice. Um, and I think moving forward, even if you stayed at a less expensive resort or even somewhere off property – if you used them, you would still end up saving a ton of money, um, you know, just just by using them and maybe right. staying somewhere not quite as convenient. Yeah, and to be clear, I only say this because somebody that I was chatting with about our vacation and I described that, and the first thing they said was the minivan. Like no, the I mean it was kind of like taking a minivan except it was somebody we had booked ahead of time. Yeah, so it was a similar vehicle as a minivan. They just had like a large um, suburban SUV, but you had it all scheduled. So you didn't have to worry about being able to grab a minivan when the park closed last minute because I've heard that's next to impossible. Um, And their price point was roughly the same as a minivan. So it was really nice having it all booked ahead of time. And then we just had to worry about paying and tipping at the very end. We didn't have to do anything like on a day by day Mm -hmm. basis. And they already had the car seats installed when they picked us up. There was no scrambling to get that done. They knew what they were doing with that. Um, it, it was just a good experience as far as that was concerned. Um, so I would, I would highly recommend using a service like that. Now, when the kids are older, using just a standard Uber or Lyft mm. would probably be sure. fine. This is good. Right. Um, and it would be a fraction of the price. But with the car seat situation, I think you're kind of limited to yeah. either the public transportation from Disney or, or a minivan or somebody private. Yeah. Um, and next time we go, we will definitely be using them anywhere that we can't walk. Yeah. And, <laughs> and for those that are uninitiated, when we're saying minivan, we're not talking about like a Dodge caravan. It is mini is in mini mouse van. They're actually it's uh, like branded a large, with, yeah, they're yeah, lift. Right. It's like a large SUV that's painted with polka dots, right. um, that has car seats available. Right. So, so it's basically like a lift that has right. more room in car seats. Right. Exactly. So they price it higher. Right. So, and yeah, so, so shout out to Orlando and Heidi for the service that we were able to, to get through them. And like you said, we would 
probably uh, up the amount of times that we would use yeah, them for so that we sure. could avoid some of the Yeah, and transit. we'll actually be using them in February when we go on our cruise. They're going to drive us to and from the port for that. And that is a terrific segue. So, um, yeah, and that, that's really the overview. Like I mentioned, uh, Angie's agreed to do some separate casts on the rides, the characters, the, the dinners. So for those that have enjoyed some of these specifics, you can get really into the nitty gritty when, when she has a chance to go and do that. And the next set of travel episodes that we'll have will be likely on the Disney cruise, which we have scheduled for the beginning of next year. So we'll do a similar uh, review of the preparations that went into that, as well as, of course, a review after we go on to that trip. Some other just overall updates of things that are going to be coming in future episodes. Um, we've got some financial episodes scheduled and ready to go. Um, so that'll be in the next few weeks, as well as uh, coming off of the amount of food and everything that we had. I, I'm wanting to do some health and fitness episodes. So I'm getting some folks lined up to um, be available to talk to, 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 to get all that stuff right back in order to, uh, work off all the food that was eaten, uh, in this particular vacation and in preparation for, well, the holidays, as well as then a cruise right after that. Cause anybody that's been on a cruise knows what happens for, uh, as far as the food is concerned and, you know, the, the lack of exercise that, that typically happens there. So, uh, any, any final thoughts again for, for the Disney world vacation? I think that covered it. Great. And so if anybody listening has any questions or any specifics, if they do have anything planned, you can email us at greg at suburbanfolk.com or you can go to the website at suburbanfolk.com and either comment on the podcast page um, or, or any of the other links that are on the page. Um, we would be sure to, to get you any other information back. Um, and again, as we continue to uh, create future episodes, if you have an interest in either a question, comment for a particular episode, or if you'd even like to participate in a cast, uh, by all means, let us know that as well. So until next time, cheers.